0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Anne Austin is a scholar who works with human remains. Make that very old human remains. She's an assistant professor of anthropology and archaeology at the University of Missouri St. Louis. She has training in osteology and Egyptology. What that means, studying old bones to expand our knowledge about the diseases suffered by people in past civilizations and the treatments that they used. But in 2016, Ann Austin found herself turning from ancient bones to ancient skin, particularly body art. And she joins us today to explain the fascinating story on why. Ann Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sarah. So, so what first got you looking at body art?
1: Well, I would say it almost literally fell in my lap. Um, (laughs) I work with the French Institute of Oriental Archaeology at a site called Daryl Medina in Egypt. And I study, as you mentioned, bones to understand past health there. So I work inside the tombs. And these are tombs that have been plundered and pillaged for millennia. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have texts from ancient Egypt, all the way to the modern era that tell us about people going in the tombs and looking for amulets, or um, more recently, taking mummified hands as a <laughs> kind <of> creepy tourist <laughs> souvenir. But people have and some unusual so hobbies. I, <laughs> I tell me about it. So when I get inside the tombs, I'm working um, with these poor human remains that have been just torn to pieces Hmm. and they had been basically neglected for a long time because of that because they were quite a mess I kind of see it as maybe payback for not cleaning my room as a child (laughs) Um, but uh, I'm working on trying to get these people back in order to conserve them and as I was working on the bones I came across the torso of a woman And it's very well mummified. The skin's very clear. And immediately, as soon as I came across this torso, I saw markings at her neck. Hmm. Um, And I could see what they were. They were figures that show ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. So as soon as I saw that, I was quite surprised. I took a step back. Imagine you're inside a tomb. The lighting is not great (laughs) inside these tombs. Um, And so I got my eyes kind of adjusted to looking at her skin. And these changes in the color on her skin that at first glance, you might think are just resins from mummification, I realized were actually tattoos and that she not only had them on her neck, but she actually had over 30 tattoos on her neck, shoulders, arms, and back.
0: Wow, and for those who study um, ancient Egypt and and know about uh, what women were up to at that point, is that unusual that there would be a, a woman just covered in these tattoos?
1: I, this is, to, was totally unprecedented. We hmm. had had three women that were found um, in the very beginning of the 20th century with tattoos, but a lot of scholars assumed that they were from ancient Nubia, and I think they made a good case to say that they were from ancient Nubia. So we didn't actually have human remains that um, we could definitively say we're coming from an Egyptian context that had Egyptian-looking tattoos Hmm. until this discovery. So we went from nothing. um, Imagine walking through an ancient village seeing no tattoos anywhere and then someone knocking on your door and having full arm sleeves and neck tattoos. It was a completely revolutionary find.
0: And And this might be a really dumb question, but man, my knowledge of ancient Egypt and mummies is not particularly high there. How do you know that this wasn't something done during the mummification process as opposed to something she was walking around with in real life?
1: Yeah, well, when we look at the tattoos, we can see that they've been shrunk with the skin. Hmm. So we know that the tattoos had to be applied before mummification. And I'll say that also makes it really difficult for us to see the tattoos themselves. So identifying them took a lot of uh, photography, photo manipulation, we used infrared photography, which made some tattoos that are completely invisible to the naked eye visible once again. Hmm. So every single step of studying not only this mummy but others that we've since identified with tattoos have really helped us to see why tattooing was so invisible and made us question how common tattooing was in ancient Egypt.
0: So this might've been on, on many people back in the day. It's just that you've stumbled into this, um, this artifact uh, that could be representative of many more that were lost.
1: Sure, yeah, so I've gone back in recent seasons to see if we can find more evidence. Uh, I've looked in new tombs that we're starting our work in. So we're in the very beginning of this work but we've already identified at least five other cases where tattoos are present. Wow. Um, So we're going from very little to suddenly getting much more information. And it's not just the research that we're doing at Daryl Medina. We also have other scholars looking for tattoos. And a great example is in the British Museum. There's a mummy there, his name is called Ginger. He's pre-dynastic, so he's from over 5,000 years ago. And he's been on display at the British Museum to millions of visitors for a century, mm-hmm. but it was only in 2018 that Renee Friedman and some colleagues took infrared photos and found out that he also has Tattoos. Hmm. So as we do more research, we're realizing that they're probably there, but they're often just very hard to see.
0: So what have you been able to determine um, of the function of these tattoos? What about with these women um, that you found? Any sense of why they had these tattoos?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because when we look not only in the mummies but in the art, at least during this period of Egyptian history, only women get tattoos. Hmm. And it's fascinating, as I've been reading uh, from the earlier scholarship on tattooing from the early 1900s, you can see that our own ideas and stigma around tattoos have really bled into our interpretations of the past. Hmm. So earlier scholars suggested that that the tattoos um, were basically exclusively meant to eroticize these female bodies and even one scholar went so far to say that it just marked them as being prostitutes. <laughs> but most of that was from their own perceptions. So that particular scholar, I mean, this is literally the guy who wrote the book on ancient Egypt and tattooing, and he says, he's French, he says in French um, n- that he doesn't know of one woman of good society from modern France all the way back to ancient Egypt with tattoos. So it's pretty clear that his ideas about tattooing in the present have really shifted what he thought of in the past. Now that we're doing more research, now that we have more evidence, what we're starting to see is that many of the tattoos that we're finding are linked to religious iconography. And in mm. fact, in this particular mummy, we found a bunch of tattoos associated with a goddess Hathor who is associated with fertility, with protection of the home, of the mother, and of children, and childbirth. So finding so many of those tattoos placed in really permanent and public areas of her body suggested she had an important role to, to do with this, uh, with this goddess. And it's interesting because during that time, we don't actually have the title Priestess of Hathor. That title seems to disappear. And some scholars have even said it was because women's bodies were seen as too impure to be priestesses, that when they menstruated, that, their, that the physical act of childbirth, those things could make their bodies impure. Hmm. But in this case, we see a woman who has tattoos, you know, all month long, all of her life, um, which suggests that she's able to somehow transcend that. And it gives us even more insights into the possible religious roles of women during this time period.
0: That's so cool the way that this discovery of of something on the skin can help you just reset the conversation about women's roles and and maybe peel away um, some of the falsities that that other scholars have brought to this. I mean, when you say this really did change everything, you, you were not kidding.
1: Yeah, I mean, I might be biased. <laughs> but I think what's also a little interesting is, is what we're finding now as we get more evidence. Um, I said that we found five other individuals with tattoos. None of the individuals we've found so far have the same tattoo in the same location. Hmm. So we're seeing in a very small data set, a lot of individual al- individuality. And I'm curious to see what this looks like as we find more. I'm optimistic that in future seasons we're going to find more evidence and we'll be able to get a better picture of what the tattoos are doing and what they represent.
0: We're talking to Ann Austin. She's an assistant professor of anthropology and archaeology at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. She's telling us about this really remarkable discovery in Egypt. Um, But, Ann, the the scholarly work that you do, it also connects to the present. And and you were talking about the stigma around tattoos. That kind of leads us right into one of the other things I wanted to ask you about today. And that is, you sat on the dissertation committee for a Ph.D. nursing student at UMSL. Her name was Lacey Kaufman. Um, How did you end up getting assigned to something in uh, where she's dealing with nursing, and here you are dealing with archaeology. How does that work?
1: Sure, yeah. One of the other members of the committee, one of the other faculty in nursing, had heard about my work and really wanted to make sure that Lacey's committee had somebody with background and academic expertise in tattooing, Hmm. and I feel so fortunate to have been on this committee because What I see from what she was doing on stigma and tattooing really does intersect with the way that academic scholarship has treated tattooing um, in recent decades. And it was a good opportunity for us to talk about how studying tattoos in other cultures can help us to start to break down those stigmas and also think about the effects those stigmas can have on people with tattoos.
0: And that is uh, that is what Lacey's study was focused on. She did a qualitative study. Uh, she had 12 participants. In order to be part of the study, folks needed to have at least 9% body coverage. Um, as you were saying, the full neck of tattoos, this would be a full sleeve of tattoos. And Lacey wanted to explore how stigma around body art might impact healthcare access. And here's what she told our producer, Evie Hemphill, about her main findings.
2: When patients do perceive stigma regarding their body art, they switch providers. Um, not all of my patients felt like they had to perceive stigma from their healthcare providers, um, but the ones that did switched providers, and there was three of those. Without question, they they did that right away.
0: She told us that her study also considered whether a person's worries about the potential of being stigmatized for having body art may keep them from seeking health care in the first place. She found out that that was not the case with her 12 subjects. But again, for those in her study who did perceive or experience stigma from a provider, it was a pivotal moment.
2: Body art is, you know, really individualized to that person. Um, it is a huge representation of who they are. So when you make a negative comment about it, it's making a neg- negative comment about, you know, who they are. So they take that very, very personally.
0: And I understand you yourself have a tattoo, and you had this long before this became a field of study for you. If you don't mind my asking, what is your tattoo of? Sure.
1: I have a tattoo of a skull on my um, upper right sh- shoulder. It's done in Arabic calligraphy, so it also is a reference to an E.E. Cummings poem. And I think we won't have enough time for me to tell the whole um, meaning of the tattoo. But as someone who studies the dead and somebody who thinks about how we can learn more about the past through the dead, I felt like it was really personal um, for me to, to have a skull and something that's so close to me. Uh, as a tattoo I just
0: got to ask what got you interested in using human remains to study health in the first place it seems like such a, a fascinating course of study but it's not something that they necessarily start grooming you for in high school
1: sure I, I have always been interested in archaeology and I've always been interested in history and studying the past uh, one thing that I realized is a lot of people's voices aren't heard hmm. so when you look at ancient texts and Egypt's a great example the vast majority of ancient Egyptians are not going to be writing those texts. Very few people were literate, and the people who were were predominantly male. So when we look at something, and this is a great example, um, the body itself ends up telling us stories from people who might not have had the opportunity to leave those stories in text. Hmm. And in this case, we're getting stories from women in ancient Egypt who in this case may have been literate. We're actually not sure, but we're getting stories that we're not tending to find in writing. Um, It's almost like we're getting inscriptions on skin instead of on papyrus.
0: Hmm. So our bodies speak in a way that that maybe we can't necessarily leave that written record. Our body remains, at least in these cases in Egypt.
1: Yeah, um, it's like the dead are speaking uh, through their remains to tell us about their life experiences Hmm and to give us more balance about what the past looked like. Hmm.
0: Well, it's such an interesting area. And, and our producer, Evie, also talked to Lacey Kaufman, and she asked her what she's thinking of pursuing research-wise now that she's completed that dissertation.
2: I feel like I can do um, two areas. Like I feel like I can hone in on that body art, that, that tattoo topic. There's so much to do with that. But also, I know, um, I hate to say I'm an expert, but I know more than the average person on stigma and how that develops. So looking into different things like that, like especially with what's going on right now with the patients who have um, COVID-19, like if they have any regarding or stigma left from that or do they feel stigmatized um, because of their diagnosis. So that's something that, you know, I'm interested in.
0: And that, again, is Lacey Kaufman. She recently got her PhD in nursing um, with this really interesting study about body art. And Anne, that makes me want to ask you, what are some other areas related to tattoos or body art that you'd like to see other scholars take on?
1: Well, as a lot of scholars have started to look for tattoos, we're seeing a lot more prevalence of them in the past and in more recent cultures. Um, And I think that it's, going to be helpful for scholars to just get more information out to the public about the way that stigma around tattooing uh, exists today but also that it really is part of our current society and that if we look in our more ancient past when we look for evidence of tattooing what we tend to find is that we've got ancient evidence in China Hmm. in Egypt in Sudan in Russia in Chile in Peru Um, we basically are mostly restricted by preservation more than anything. So some of the oldest mummies in the world, for example, Utsu, the Iceman, who's a fairly famous mummy from the Alps, he has tattoos. And if we look at where we're finding them, I think it's helpful to show people that this is actually a common practice that's been independently invented and um, that it, it has existed in cultures worldwide. And so hopefully that can help people just stop and kind of question the stigma that we have today. And I really appreciated Lacey's dissertation because when she was looking at stigma, one of the things she noticed is that when healthcare providers had more positive things to say, it really helped their therapeutic relationship. So if somebody just asked someone coming in, hey, would you mind telling me about your tattoos? That was a great way to start and build a relationship rather than to give them looks, rather than to judge what those tattoos are.
0: Hmm. So this is something where we might not think about the stigma as being a topic that we're interested in, but it could definitely affect um, our ability to be good at our job. This is something maybe healthcare providers should be thinking about more actively.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also something that can come up with just our regular interactions with friends and family members. An interesting thing I noticed from her dissertation research is how common it was for people to not only talk about healthcare, which was the focus of the interviews, but also the stigma that they've experienced from loved ones and the fact that uh, that stigma can really affect your relationship. And since for many of the people she interviewed, the tattoos were really embedded in them. They were who they were it was really hurtful for them to feel like their tattoos are being judged because it really Mm -hmm. felt like they themselves were being judged. So I think as we, in general, as listeners, meet people who have tattoos, um, just take a minute to reflect and ask yourself, you know, how are you interacting with that person's tattoos? Because it's not just their tattoos that you're interacting with, it's them.
0: Well, Anne, that is a perfect note to end on, so I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me on the show.
0: This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.